Hey, hey. Welcome to the Humans Aren't Robots podcast, a series of conversations with designers and creative thinkers uncovering the human elements of teams and modern business practices. I'm your host, as always, Sam Davies, and we have another episode broadcast live from Pause Fest today with the one and only Dom Pim. Dom Pim is the co-founder of UpBank. Now, if you haven't heard of UpBank, then I highly suggest that you listen to this podcast and then go and check it out. They are changing the face of banking here in Australia and across the across the world. I've been a big fan of them since they launched. I actually saw uh, Dom talk at Pause Fest and had the chance to sit next to him at a business breakfast a couple of years ago and was really interested in their approach from a customer experience perspective. They really put in the customer at the forefront of banking, which makes sense, doesn't it? That's what should happen in banking. Anyway, through this conversation, I was really excited to hear about UpBank and how Dom got involved in banking in the first place. But we really delved into a whole bunch of stuff around customer experience, the importance of creating strong and vibrant team culture within your business and how that impacts the products you build, amongst other things. I won't go on for too much now. I really suggest that you, if you're interested in innovation, the future of banking, general business practices and how to get the most out of your teams, then dive in and have a listen. Dom is a very interesting character and I learned a lot from the conversation and hope you will too. So without further ado, let's jump in live from Pause Fest with Dom Pim. Dom, pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me here. That's great. I think people know UpBank and I'll talk a little bit about it in the intro, but how do you define um, what kind of business you run? I know you have a sort of parent company that, that, that manages up, um, but yeah, well, how do you define what you do? Yeah, so my, my company is a company called Ferocia, um, and we're a software company, right? Um, so technology company. Uh, we've been in business about 10 years, um, and we've been doing banking for about eight years. Um, and, and UP is really the manifestation of that. Like UP is, a, uh, we call it, a, a, I guess, publicly a collaboration between Ferocia as a technology company and Bendigo and Adelaide Banking Group, um, who are our amazing uh, sort of foundational partners in, in UP. Um, but the, they, they issue all the licensed financial product because we don't, we don't have a banking license. So a lot of people will ask me, you know, what, what, what is UP or how do you define it? And for, for me, UP is about um, delivering value to, to people just to help them live their life better and to sort of de-stress and, and, and not have to uh, worry about their money. Like we want to help people get back in sort of control of their money. Um, and that, that means that, yeah, sure, we offer some banking and some financial services, but first and foremost, we're an app, we're a technology company, we're bu- trying to build value into people's lives. And I think that, that, that that's the emphasis and the focus of the 50 people in South Melbourne. So when, when people say technology, and obviously the name of our podcast, Humans Are Robots, I think there's this, there's this idea that technology is somehow separated from people. It shouldn't be, right? Technology is, is for people and by people. Uh, up is very focused on experience. I would say, and have you know, been a member and having gone through the process of signing up, and everything about it seems very focused on the customer. Um, how do you go about, I suppose, bordering the gap between a technology company and essentially a marketing company, or, or listening listening to people? You talked about the feedback loop. Like, how, how do you how does that all play into what you do? Yeah, I mean, I I call it um, the excellence of everything. I don't know if there's a proper sort of word for it, but for me. 
customer experience, uh, design, uh, you know, business, banking, financial services, technology, software, uh, cloud hosting, all those different things. All of those ingredients are sort of everything, and that's why I call it the excellence of everything. You have to actually deliver excellence in your customer engagement, your feedback loop, your technology, your security, uh, your ability to um, iterate quickly. Um, you know, design for us is absolutely embedded in absolutely you know, it's everything we do. And so having the excellence of everything is a bit of a moniker. Um, you can't be good at everything, so you've got to find how do we deliver the best value in each of those different areas. But yeah, I think the confluence of design technology, you know, delivering that customer experience and pulling all that together in a sort of financial services landscape, it's not easy. Um, and, 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 you know, we've done a really amazing job at, at UP in building a brand and building engagement with our customers um, and delivering awesome technology and awesome sort of financial services. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I think we have a conscious view and a, and a, and a, a real focus on making sure that we uh, think very deeply about all the things that we do. And we do sort of, I guess we use this sort of term hasten slowly. Like we go really, really fast. We're doing averaging over six customer deployments a day. Um, so like it's just getting better every single day. Um, but we do that in a very planned, um, fastidious, uh, focused uh, and engaged manner. We're not, we're not um, just doing things willy-nilly. Um, you know, we have an automated testing process. Um, I guess it comes down to what you were saying earlier is that it's really great people. Like when we set our business up in the beginning, we didn't set it up saying, how do we do software or how do we do banking or whatever. We said, how do we build the best technology company with the greatest group of people ever uh, I spent a lot of time traveling around the world, living in Asia, living in Europe, living in the US, you know, in Silicon Valley and all that sort of stuff. And it was like, how do we get all the best people that we've ever worked with in the world together in the same room? And that's what we've achieved with Ferocia. Uh, we've got now fifth, just over 50 people in South Melbourne all working on solving problems and helping customers add value to their life. It's exciting. I'm quite interested in uh, like your career trajectory. So did you start out as a developer or... Yeah, you know, I was a, yeah, as a software developer, yeah. um, sort of, I guess, even pre-university, my first job was writing software for a you know, software company in, in, in Melbourne. Um, and then I um, started work. Uh, I was the youngest employee and first undergraduate of SAP, which at the time yeah, was sure. the, sort of what was the second biggest software company in the world behind Microsoft. Um, they're still, I think, the largest, they call it largest inter-enterprise or largest enterprise software company. Uh, and so I traveled the world with them for about seven years, um, working with Fortune 500s and you know, building software for their systems across 200 different countries. You know, So like it was a uh, baptism of fire for me uh, from, from the age of 19 to sort of 26, 27. Did that give you some insights into how you run your business now in terms of actually going into some of these bigger Fortune 500 companies Absolutely. and seeing how they, how they do business? Yeah, so I was employee number 76,412. Um, <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, when I joined, um, uh, we started a, a startup. And when I joined the startup, I was sort of the uh, fourth or fifth person. I think two of us joined on the same day. Uh, and we grew that business from sort of five people to two and a half thousand people in two and a half years. Wow. Um, and so I've sort of been done the enterprise thing and then I've done the startup thing and then I've said, right, well, now I'm in my sort of mid to late 20s. What do I want to do with my life? Um, and what I want to do is make a difference to other people's lives. Like I want to do good. I want to find a way to help people, you know, help preserve our planet, help people um, achieve their goals, uh, help people just be better at whatever it is. And, and at the moment we sort of, I guess, stumbled, you could say we sort of stumbled into banking and what we're doing is applying all of our software engineering and technology and design skills into solving problems in the banking space. Um, and that sort of, I guess, sort of merges my career tra trajectory with, with Ferocia and our business um, and, and how we're trying to sort of help people with up. 
you find that uh, you mentioned the word design and I think design is interwoven into everything we do really there's I think still in the business world there's common misconception that design is still you know the, the, the visual side of things but it, I mean everything that you're doing at up is, is is a design process right from the from from the code through to the the communications yeah absolutely I mean I think the dictionary definition is not um, aesthetic right no, um, so that's right. So, you know, design for us is, is built into our engineering processes, it's built into our system operations processes, it's built into pretty much anything that we do. We have to think about how do we make it more efficient, how do we make it beautiful, that's one element obviously, how do we make it engaging, how do we make it simple, easy to use. You know, customer experience can also be conflated with design. Um, you know, design is, is an ingredient in all of those different things. We also have physical touch points with our customers. So, for example, we have a, a, you know, a card, a physical card, and we have a welcome pack when people sign up. And, and so all of the physical things, as well as the digital things, as well as the back office things, as well as the customer support things, all of those things have to sort of tie together. And that's why I just sort of call it the excellence of everything, right? So, so design has to be sort of interwoven through those business processes uh, in order for you to build a really great culture, in order for you to build really great software, and in order for you to build a really great engagement with your customer. So, like for example, so when you, when you get your um, up card, a credit card, a debit card, it comes in a beautifully sort of letter pressed, you know, debossed uh, uh, pack, and you know it's, it's the you know the actual graphic design on it is, is beautifully done. The packaging is beautifully done. It, there's attention to detail in every element of it. So, I mean, we're designers, right? And so it, I think three or four of us in the studio uh, are members, and receiving that, you know, there's that element of, I suppose, I don't know, there's a warmth there. There's an element that, okay, these people actually care because you, you know human. it. It's a human element. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. And you, I mean, we know how much it costs to print that stuff, right? So you're not uh, saving dollars by, you know, just sending out a you know, plain vanilla envelope, but you're thinking about that whole process. And, and, and my, whole, my whole thing, if you have a look at one of my cards there, is that those tangible elements are really important, right? Because it, the, the same attention to detail and trust that you want to build in your financial services should go into everything you do from Absolute, start to finish. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a keynote on Thursday and part of the conversation is about uh, exactly that. Like, how do, we, uh, how do we do things that are good for the environment? How do we do things that are good for people's financial services? How, how do we do things that iterate and improve? And, you know, one, one example is our welcome pack. Yeah, it's letterpressed on like a Heidelberg machine. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, centuries old and all that stuff. Who does the distillery in Sydney? Or? No, no, we have Tailored Press here okay. in, in, uh, in nice. Melbourne. And, and, and we've been working with Tailored for a number of years. And the guys are just totally awesome. Um, but what, what we've been able to do there is simple things like, our, you know, we set ourselves a constraint and the constraint was that every other bank at the time when we started, every other bank that we knew was delivering a trifold A4 uh, piece of paper with a bit of glue in a, in, a, in a standard envelope, either with or without a window, right? Now, now that uh, total process would cost to manufacture the card and to uh, create that trifold sort of welcome pack and an envelope and then ship it out with some postage and whatever. The whole thing would cost less than 10 bucks, probably about, you know, five or six bucks. So we set ourselves a goal to not only make it totally awesome, but also make it cheaper than it would be to do it the other way. So, so, so for us, because um, you'll see now, um, the whole world's like copying what we're doing, that's fine, but you'll see so many different banks around the world now trying to do really awesome welcome packs, but they'll spend 25, 30, 40 bucks on their welcome pack. Like we've got the cost of ours down to less than five bucks. Um, and, and so, you know, it, you know, that's one element, right? That's for your business has to be sustainable. You know, part of the design process is designing a business that will endure that actually is here in the future. Um, and, and then the other thing for us is that when we iterated our, our welcome pack, we reduced the size of it just recently. This year, like just recently, it started going out to customers. 
we reduced the size of the card that we used by 30% and we saved 30% more trees, right? We made sure that the materials that we're using to manufacture it are 100% recyclable. Um, we, we also recently added to the back of it um, a savings plan to help people save $1,000 in a year. Okay. Um, and so that actually brings in the financial element into our printed material. You know what I mean? Like it's actually, this design is something that we use as a tool, as an asset, as a weapon to uh, embed what it is that we're doing in every touch point with the customer. And so I've heard you speak before about, and it sounds like in your keynote you're going to touch on it, um, you know, this feedback loop and listening to customers. And, you know, there's the, the cliche around uh, you know, Henry Ford and, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, if, I asked, if I asked people what they want, they would have said faster horses, right? Um, how important is listening to customers, but then how do you innovate um, when the customer doesn't necessarily know what they want? Yeah, to me, to me that's, I mean, I have a personal view on that, but it, I think it's shared broadly across the business as well, which is that, Customers don't know what they want because they're limited by what's in the market today. Um, so especially in banking, like banking is a solved problem. In Australia, there's 55 million um, banking customers and only 25 million people, right? So 18 million adults, that means the average Australian already has three bank accounts. Like it's a solved industry. It's, a, it's completely saturated. Why would you launch a new bank? You've got to be crazy, right? Well, we launched a new bank to deliver something different, not to deliver just another bank account. So we help people predict their forward spend. We help people uh, save better, you know, so we call it spending wisely and saving effortlessly. So we're delivering tools and services and features and software that actually helps people live their life better to de-stress and do things differently, not another bank account, you know what I mean? So, so we see, for example, people creating, you know, multiple instant savers so that they can save up for all the things they're saving for in their life. And then somebody might end up with 20 of them or 30 of them or whatever. And you say, well, well, why is that good? Well, then we have an automatic payment splitter. So when your pay comes in or your benefits come in or you transfer money in from another bank or whatever, it can automatically split off to all these different savers and help you achieve your life goals. So, so for us, it's actually, I guess, about empowering the customer to take back control of their finances. And that is very different than just launching another bank. And the reason that people love up is that they'll download it and you can download it in a couple of minutes and you can use it like instantly. So we, we were the first bank in Australia to have instant issuance, right? Which means that you can um, create a wallet with Google or Apple or um, Samsung or we have Garmin and Fitbit and others as well, but they're the three big ones. You can do that in instantly, like in less than 60 seconds. So for us, you download the app, you get started and you have a wallet. That means you can start using it immediately, uh, instantly. So, so put all that together, what you get is a fastidious focus on improving people's lives not on building a better banking feature. So, so yeah, so I guess in summary, what I'm saying is that customers don't know what they want because they only know what to expect, expect based what the incumbents already give them. And that is, that is a, like, that's like, everyone says, listen to your customer. Sure, listen to your customer, but you need to innovate. And I think the, 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 the examples that you hear often, uh, like, you know, Apple. So Steve Jobs says, you know, if I listened to the customer, we would never have ended up with an iPad. You know what I mean? Like there were, and there were heaps of tablets already in market, but the iPad's somehow magical. It's similar with Up. Up is somehow magical, um, but it's not, it's not just another bank. There's a mixture between, I suppose, you look, you look at what happened with the iPod, there's a mixture between um, you know, their, their positioning, their messaging, product design. It, it all kind of flows together, the experience of the product itself. And I think Up's in a similar trend where everything sort of feels holistic and it, there's, there's a, I don't know, there's a, a broader sense of feeling, I suppose, an emotional connection to it. I mean, a bank is, you know, historically a bank is not an emotional thing. If anything, it's, you know, a negative emotion, right? You get negative emotions about a bank. It's some of the, I think some of the things that obviously appeal to a, a younger audience and who live their life through tech and have grown up with it. And so the, you know, the, the digital natives of the world, they appreciate those sort of small things from an app perspective. How do you then go about, and I've heard you talk a little bit about this, 
broadening that, you know, the age gap then out to the sort of 50, 60 year olds who are maybe a bit more sort of tentative about, well, you know, a digital bank, no, you know, no brick and mortar. How, how do you start communicating to them? Yeah, so I think a lot of that has to do with trust. Um, so we don't go out to target a young audience. We happen to just, we just build awesome software and it happens that early adopters, first movers, tech-savvy people, like or the younger generation, tend to gravitate towards that as, as, as sort of first movers. But, you know, like we have a customer base that spreads from 16 as the youngest, like legally, for our, for our products. Um, we're looking to reduce that age because we have a lot of interest from people as young as 10 or 12. And so we are looking to reduce that. But, but at the top end, like, I think our oldest customer is 102 or 103 or something. So, so we do have probably, you know, a third of our customers are less than 24. A third of our customers are sort of between, I don't know, 25 and 45. And then a third of our customers are above that. So we, 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 we tend to uh, spread across the whole demographic. Um, it's just that the, the, the predominant usage tends to sort of um, skew younger. Um, so yeah, so for us, it's not like we go out and target a specific audience. We just try to build the awesomeness in and, and then see where it goes to from there. But I agree with you entirely on the first point you made, which is that there's something magical about all the pieces of the puzzle fitting together to create the beautiful picture, whatever that picture is. And for up, it is some sort of amazing experience to help you, like I said, de-stress or to help you take back control or to help you understand where your money's going or build your relationship closer to your money um, and so there's so many things I could go on I won't but I'm just saying I could go on for like an hour about all the little tiny features that add up um, and the little experiences that add up to make that holistic um, sort of engagement work um, and I don't think there's any secret source I think it's a combination of all the different things that you do like I said from technology from iteration from customer engagement customer experience design all those things together actually make it so awesome. And so, obviously, you do listen to your customers. I, mean, I imagine you get a lot of feedback from customers. So you're, you're constantly sort of processing that and working out well, what things could we integrate. So you mentioned sort of about uh, splitting, uh, splitting payments when they come into your account. You have things like the Barefoot Investor and a lot of these sort of popular uh, financial advisors that are out there in the market. So, so staying on top of that, I mean, literally off the back of the Barefoot Investor, you could have created an app that just you know, did what you know, his advice was and, and, and that would have uh, no, done quite well. well. That's basically ING. Yeah, um, so, yeah, exactly. so, you know, like, so obviously Scott um, uh, doesn't endorse anybody. He's fiercely independent. But, um, but you know, he used ING himself and, and ING came out to say that, you know, off the back of that, um, that they got a really amazing growth story. Um, so we have a similar amazing growth story, but we're not sort of aligned to any particular financial model or financial method. So, yeah, so whether it's Barefoot Investor, My Millennial Money, She's on the money. I mean, there's so many, you know, I think there's money madams. You know, there's so many sort of financial advisors. There's books, uh, there's podcasts. And, and so our view is let's be agnostic. Let's create the tools for our customers to use whatever method they want to use. Like for me, it was my mum. Like my mum taught me when I was a kid how to, how to manage money. You know, like she'd say, okay, well, when you earn money, you've got to put aside 10% of your income or 20% of your income or whatever and put it into envelopes that you're saving up for. You know, it might be a BMX or a holiday, but maybe there's a charitable, like a giving. And so my mum taught me that when I was a kid. So it doesn't have to be some sort of financial guru. You know, it could just be your family members or it could be something you learn at school or, you know, whatever. So for us, it's like, well, let's be agnostic, but let's actually try to cater for those customers that are doing that. And so we find that the feedback loop is that later on, like, for example, on social media, our customers post all of their savers and it's absolutely crazy like some people go okay well I follow the barefoot investor and here's all the savers that I set up with up and here's how I do my payment splits and here's how you and then someone else will say well actually no this is how I do it and you know we see them on snapchat on instagram on facebook on twitter they're like all over the place and and for me one of the things I did is sort of try to collect a whole bunch of them and put them together onto some slides and I was showing our staff and just edit we do a demo every Friday and I was just doing a demo to the team and just saying well look at this like check it out our customers are loving it but every single one of them is 
implementing their own way of living using our product. That's cool, and isn't it? And I think it? that's cool, right? That's, yeah. the, that's the intersection between sort of practical usability and design. Yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting, I think, actually. I, I think that how much do you find in the business you run, do you see yourselves as an educator as well? Or do you want to take more of that kind of, I suppose, educating young people on, on how, to, how to deal with money and becoming an advisor? Or do you sort of stay away from that? So not advice per se, but like we partnered with Afterpay, for example, and that was a really strategic partnership for us and, and we really love working with them. We built a API with them. They, they set up a development team in San Francisco and, and, and we, uh, we built an API to, to be able to uh, connect your Afterpay account with your up account and everything. And people will have a view. Like some people love Afterpay, some people hate Afterpay. That's not our, it's not our place to say. What our place is to say is that there's 5 million Australians using Afterpay every day. How can we help them with financial literacy? How can we help them pay their Afterpay back quicker? How can we help them to understand all of the different Afterpays that they have in the context of their electricity bill and their water bill and their school bills and everything else they have? So, so for up, we, we have this thing called Upcoming that predicts all of your upcoming bills and it helps you to budget. Now, so we're not giving advice. What we're doing is putting the tool into people's hands to help them make those right choices for themselves. And, and, and having the ease of, so for example, just being able to set up simple direct debits or set up, you know, things splitting out into different bank accounts when they come in, setting up that sort of if this, if this, if this then that kind of protocols in your bank account is so good for actually managing your finances. Oh man, it's awesome. And, and, and it's like, it's, it's, it's sort of, I guess, financial literacy, but it's also um, just life discipline. Yeah, You know, it's definitely. like, it's just help people to live better. Cool. Um, I'm going to pivot a little bit into, into the business that you run. Um, it's really interesting to me, I suppose. I've, I've heard you talk about so 50, 50 in the team now, um, how you sort of run the business. So six, six sort of builds you put out a day or six new releases, which is a high intensity. Um, how do you go about, I suppose, maintaining your passion for the product you build, but then also running a team of 50 people? I mean, it, it, where, where is your sort of a time split? I think the answer to that is surround yourself with people better than yourself, right? Like, so, uh, you know, our very first employee at Ferocia was a guy, Anson Parker. He's our, I call him our chief imaginer, but, you know, like he's our uh, sort of head of product, I guess. Um, you know, one of our very early employees, maybe fourth or fifth person was, was Mike Morris. He's the head of technology. I mean, these guys are way better than me at, at, at doing that stuff. Um, and so we've got like a head of technology, a head of design. Uh, we've got a head of development. We've got all these different people. And they're just the very best people that I've ever worked with in the world. And some of them have relocated from, I don't know, might have been San Francisco or Canada or the UK or wherever. And they've relocated to Melbourne to be part of this amazing team. And so for me, it's like it all comes back to people. If you have amazing people and you keep small, sort of productive, useful teams. So we try to generally have teams of four to six people, like not, not any bigger than that. Um, and then each of those teams can work on a specific thing, a, you know, a specific problem that they're trying to solve. Um, and so we find that, um, you know, we never wanted to be bigger than 30 people. But, um, you know, now we're 50 something. I might be 52, 53, whatever it is. Um, and, and so for me, it's about, okay, well, how do we maintain our culture? How do we maintain our connectedness with our customers? How do we maintain our product excellence? How do we do all that as we scale the business and as we grow? And so I think having a passion for the product is really important. Having a passion for the engagement with the customer is really important. And then having a passion for excellence, like just pushing the bar, like pushing things forward and innovating is also really important. So yeah, I think the short answer is just freaking amazing people that we've just surrounded ourselves with. And how do you find them? Are they coming to you or are you going out and looking for them? Or? Well, they're coming to us now, um, but I think uh, if I go back 10 years, like they weren't coming to us. Like 10 years ago, uh, it was me and Tomo, my business partner, and we were just sitting in his kitchen um, and talking about, well, what do we do next? And we said, well, 
let's just build an amazing company uh, and we're just great people and we just want to spend the rest of our years working with people that we love and care about and that we're passionate about and what we found is that we handpicked a few people to start with and they all were gainfully employed they all had other jobs you know some of them were contracting some of them had their own businesses um, you know like our for example our creative director at, 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 at Ferocia has run his own business for 15 years and um, an amazing creative studio he does all sorts of cool things but he's recently actually li- literally jumped ship to join Ferocia full time and that's an example of and there's another good example of um, 10 years ago one of the um, engineering devs um, you know worked with us on our previous company he then moved to San Francisco worked with Square a little company you might have heard of and he was their um, director of engineering for payments so like global director of engineering for payments so he was there for I don't know seven years or something and then he relocated back to Melbourne to come and join us again so that tells me two things one is that we're on par with the best companies in the world like you know Square out of San Francisco is amazing right um, this, uh, they're the fastest growing financial services company in the world right so for him to jump ship that's amazing the other thing is it tells me that we're not dickheads right <laughs> like we must be okay people otherwise why would he choose to relocate back to Melbourne and join us again after having already worked for us before, you know what I mean? So, so for me, those are the sort of stories that, um, I, I guess, of how we started to build the team. Now, everyone's starting to realise, holy moly, this is amazing. This place, Ferocia, it's incredible. Look at Up that they're doing. You know, we also, by the way, we also build the fifth largest um, banking platform in Australia. So we partner with Bendigo and Adelaide Bank and we build their mobile and internet desktop um, banking system. So we actually do two things. One is we build the fifth largest bank in Australia and we do maybe eight or nine billion a month through the platform. And then on the other side, we build up, which is the first digital bank in Australia. So with 50 people, we're doing both of those things. And in answer to your question, it ain't easy. <laughs> and you and the goal is to grow up into the, the one of the largest largest one of the five, yeah, yeah, top the, five the, banks. I guess the the, the soundbite is that um, uh, what we and it's our mission for yeah. up is to be the number one bank for under 35s in Australia. Okay, cool. Now the current number one bank uh, for under 35s in Australia is Combank, right? They're number one in nearly every segment. So for us, I think it's about 1.86 million customers that they have. They have 39% market. Market share. Yeah. So our goal is to have obviously two million, or you know, like more than them. Um, and we set ourselves, I guess, you know, sort of three to five years to do that. We're one year in. Cool, that's amazing. And and what numbers are you doing now? Oh, we've oh, we've announced publicly we've have over one hundred and fifty thousand customers. Um, we, we don't release a lot of our numbers publicly, our deposits or all those sort of things. But yeah, we're growing at between five hundred and a thousand new customers a day. Wow, that's amazing. And, and is most of that referral, do you think? Or it- yeah, yeah. so nearly 50% of that is um, word, of, word of mouth referral. Um, and so what we found is that people just download up. Our average time to sign up is 2 minutes and 12 seconds, so less than 3 minutes. So what we find is that people download it, they, you know, Google Play or App Store or whatever, and then they just try it and they love it and then they tell their mates and it just keeps growing like that. So, you know, we've never raised any venture capital. It's not to say we wouldn't in the future, but we have never to date raised any. So we're self-funded, which means that, you know, there's, there's no IPO planned or we're not sort of, um, you know, trying to create returns for shareholders and all this sort of stuff. So we have a different emphasis and focus. Our emphasis is to be number one bank for under 35s in Australia, to do that as long as it takes and to create a business that's sustainable and that's profitable and that can deliver awesome value to customers and that is here in, for, for the long haul. Like we're here in the next few decades, you know, and we'll have like a hundred year plan. Um, and so for us, that is so important to creating an amazing business um, and our customers feel that like that, that 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 emotion comes through in our product I mean you said you're a customer right you can feel the love that's gone into building up and so our customers feel connected to it and then they feel proud to promote it to their friends and, and that's just been an amazing way for us to grow but my point about saying we've raised no VC is we don't have millions and millions of dollars to throw out marketing right so we have to just build something great that people love do you find it interesting that a lot of the um 
you know, the Telstra's of the world are trying to sort of repurpose products and aim them at, you know, at a younger audience with some of the similar kind of communication strategies that you guys have done, but probably not the soul behind it. But there's this, I think there's this sort of trend of, okay, well, we can repurpose a product, whatever it is, um, you know, mobile phone uh, provider, and then give it that sort of Gen Z kind of millennial edge, but then it doesn't follow through with that whole experience. I think people just see straight through it. Like for me, honesty, transparency is so important. And because I said you can feel the love that goes into making up, whether it be the welcome pack, whether it be the design, whether it be the customer experience, whatever, any incumbent brand in any industry that tries to do that nearly always fails, right? Because it's not genuine, and and people can see straight through it. People have to. I'm not picking on Telstra here at all. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter who. That's why I said any in any industry and whatever. But on the flip side, let's just go the other way. Let's let's attack it from let's say the positive angle. Is um, think of an uh, think of a digital bank. Oh, sorry, just think of a bank anywhere in the world that is good at technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's well, that's, that's the answer I get, yeah. right? Is beyond, it, beyond. Yeah, there's not many, right? Yeah. So, so, so then if I said, do you think of a uh, company that has completely disrupted in the last 10 years, completely disrupted an entire industry, you start going like Netflix, Airbnb, Uber, Skype, Amazon, like you start rattling off all these companies, Zero right? is a great example. Zero is another one, right? Zero is classic, model, right? Yeah. So, so none of those businesses came from that industry, right? They're technology companies disrupting new industries. And so what Up is, I mean, Ferocia as a software company, up is delivering technology-led banking, not bank-led technology. Sounds like a subtle sort of difference, but it's a significant difference. We are creating the same level of disruption in financial services that Airbnb have done in hotels or Uber have done in taxis. And so that, I think, is the competitive difference, and that is what people feel. And so when you buy your Apple device, you feel the, the design effort, the R&D, the love and care, the simpleness, the ease of use that has gone into designing that product over decades. We're only at the beginning of our journey. We've only been alive for a couple of years in terms of up. Um, but you know what we're trying to do is to build that genuineness, that transparency and that, that awesomeness into our product. And I think people can just feel it. You, you talk about a 100-year plan because I, I, you see like a company like Apple, you know, 40 years in, 50 years in, and you know, how large they are now. It, it obviously becomes more difficult to maintain that awesomeness as you grow and scale. How do, how do you sort of, where do you see yourselves in 100, in 100 years' time? I think it's true generally that it's more difficult to do that as you scale, but Apple's a classic example of, of being able to do it. But another, you know, more recent example is, is Tesla. You know, like Tesla didn't exist. In what, when did they launch? I don't know, in the early 2000s? So, so they're a very you know, young company, but that's an example. I mean, and then all the new kids on the block from Airbnb and Uber and Facebook and Google. Google, like when I lived in Silicon Valley, there was no Google. Right? Google didn't exist. And now, what is it, 18, 20 years later, now Google exists. And, so, and, and, and those companies like Facebook and Google and Netflix or whatever, they are amongst the largest companies in the world and yet go back 10, 15, 20 years, they didn't exist. So, so yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And it's a general observation. It's difficult to maintain the awesomeness as you scale. We think we're doing a really, really good job at it at this stage. We're only you know, a few years in. But we're doing it you know, in that sort of, with that methodology of hasten slowly. Um, and that's helping us go really, really fast. Just coming back to people quickly, um, I heard you talk about um, a high retention rate. You talked about the, the um, staff member that went off to Square and has come back. Do you try and foster a sense of, I suppose, you know, letting people sort of mm, build their career and then go out and do something else? Do you have sort of an open door policy yeah, in terms a- of... Absolutely. Um, so, so interestingly, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head. I think it's something like um, uh, 60-something people that we've ever hired and obviously 53 of them still work there, right? 
Like, so the retention rate is off the charts, um, but just because it's awesome. And it's awesome because it's great people, number one. That's the very first most important thing, right? Great people. The second thing is great product. Like, everybody's doing something that they're passionate about. That's really, really important. And then the other thing is great relationship with customer, right? So if you can create those three things, then it's kind of like the secret sauce. So great people, great culture, great company. That's really important. Um, you know, having great um, sort of projects and challenges and things that... Like we've got uh, someone, another person who... who who left and joined us again. So he, he was, um, we call him an original for Ocean. Like he joined as, he was one of the first, I don't know, 10 people. Um, and he worked for us for, I think, five or six years. But he started as a graphic designer or, you know, for, I guess, a, yeah, graphic designer. Then he moved into doing front-end development. Then he moved into uh, back-end development. Then he moved into system operations. And then he set up our entire cloud infrastructure. Now, that's one guy setting up our entire cloud infrastructure. We were the first digital bank to be hosted on Google in the world. And we were the first retail cloud-hosted bank in Australia. And this guy, Juzzy, he, he did that. He, he built that up. But he started with us as a graphic designer. So not only did he have the flexibility in his, in his job to, to try and do all those different things and become an expert, but he then decided to leave and, and, and pursue another opportunity, which he did. And I'm very happy to say that um, as of a few weeks ago, he's rejoined Ferocia and he's back now working on up. Um, and so I think it's not just having a great team and having a great culture and a great business, but it's also about having the flexibility for people to come and go and, and live their life. The way I measure it, to answer your question, the way I measure it is how happy are our customers is, is, is one measure that a lot of businesses do. A measure that I care about is how, many, how happy are our staff, how many of them have got married, how many of them have had kids, how many of them have bought a house, and, and their life as they've been growing up and, and sort of evolving as people, we have helped them do that. Um, and so, yeah, sure, they come to work and they write code and they're a software engineer or whatever, or a designer or whatever they might be. But actually, we've helped them, you know, live their life, meet their life partner, have kids, get a mortgage, you know, um, pay off their house, renovate their house, you know, whatever it is. They're the things in life that matter. And I think if you can have that sort of view and perspective is what we have, um, then people always want to work with you and they always want to come back. I've got people like one guy, Tommy, has worked with me for 17, I think nearly 18 years now through five different companies. Um, that's just awesome. And that's something I'm super proud of. It seems simple, but the more and more I talk to people like yourself, if you really focus on your people in your business and they're happy, customers tend to be happy as well and the product tends to be you know, shine. Yeah, it's customer, customer happiness and engagement and retention and everything is an outcome of employee happiness and engagement. From a, from a, this is probably for me personally, running a business, from a, from a, a framework in terms of how you guys run. So I know you guys do stand-ups every day and sort of have a, a whip on Monday and a, a bit of a demo on Friday. But, you know, releasing that much uh, every single day, like do you find the sort of the systemizing the actual processes internally difficult or do you sort of let people run free with that? Well, we let people um, run free. Like everybody's accountable for managing themselves and managing their time. You know, we don't have working hours. No one clocks in or clocks off. And we don't, you know, we don't monitor leave. People take as much leave as they like for whatever reasons and all that sort of stuff. So we have all those sort of stuff. You might see those things as perks, but we actually see them as a flexible working environment, like a, a way where people can work from home, people can do what they need to do with their family or their life or whatever um, and, and interweave that into their work and so that sort of I guess um, uber flexibility what that does is it sort of creates an environment where people overachieve but it also creates an environment that by definition requires an extraordinary amount of automation so automation is really our secret source so, so say for example the software releases any company regardless of whether you're in financial services or not any company who wants to release five times a day 
Um, the only way to do that is to build automation. So we spin up our entire banking platform in 45 seconds. We spin up hundreds or even thousands of them, and then we test every single possible use case with every single device, with every single operating system in 26 minutes. Now, that means we do it twice in an hour. That's nearly 50 times, 48 times in a day. So we theoretically could release up to, say, 48 releases a day because we've regression tested our entire platform in 26 minutes, right? Like I said, on every device with every single operating system and everything. So, so for us, um, that has only been possible through 10 years of building automation. Yeah. And that automation that we've built has actually spawned off entire companies. Like there's companies out there that, that build automation for other software companies. Um, and one of those has spun off out of one of our companies. You know? so, so, so yeah, I think automation is a really, really important thing. But it's just as important as security. Like security is an important thing. Um, data protection, privacy. Um, those are the sort of things I think that our engineering team think about, sleep about, dream about. Um, it's the stuff that makes us who we are. Just coming back to the start of that, so... Uh 10 years ago when you started the business, where did you have these ideas for, because um, it's, it's quite in vogue some of the things that you're talking about now in terms of flexibility and you know, I think a lot of the corporate world is trying to sort of get into that now, but where did, where did that come from for, for you? Um, you know, my business partner, we started the company together, I mean he is an ex-AFL footy coach, right? And so in the footy world, the way I would, just, I let him talk on his own behalf publicly, but the way I would describe a football coach is that they basically take on board an 18 year old and then, or even less, a 14-year-old. You know, they might be junior footballers. And then they manage them, say, till they're 32 when they retire. So if we go 14 to 32, that's 18 years. So for the most formative years of their entire life, the football coach's job is to help them be a better person. Now, that's not what all football coaches do. Some football coaches go to teach football. Whereas Tomo, he's all about people, culture, and life. And so I think a lot of that has helped build the foundation at Ferocia for who we are and what we represent, is that when we sat around his kitchen table and talked about starting a company, we didn't say, hey, let's go and start a company to solve this problem. We said, hey, let's start a company to build a team of the very best people in the world. Cool. It's a simple analogy, but the sports team analogy really makes a lot of sense, right? Like you have have 18 people focused on, you know, one mission together and they've got to do it with each other yeah and, and, and you know you're only as strong as your weakest link and, um, and you know everybody like some of the things that Tomo did in footy um, like having a rotating leadership team like we have an extra, exceptionally flat hierarchy at Ferocia and therefore up benefits and is able to go faster and all that sort of stuff um, but you know a lot of that actually the, the, the seeds for that were planted when Tomo was coaching footy teams and saying why do we have one captain like, why don't we take the best bits of all of our different people and then rotate and then build a better team? Why don't we do mentoring in amongst our um, younger players with our more experienced players? You know, these sort of things. We do exactly those things now at Ferocia. You know, we do a, what we call a Tomo time, which is once a month we get the entire company together and we all talk to each other and reflect on how we can help each other be better. Um, you know, what do we want to stop doing? What do we want to start doing? What do we want to keep doing? And we have all sorts of ways that we engage and Tomo drives that. So I guess the answer to your question is, I'm a technology, I'm a software developer, I'm an engineer coming from that sort of perspective, you know, wanting to solve problems all the time. Tomo is coming from wanting to help people all the time. And if you put helping people and solving problems together, you just get magic. Beautiful, mate. Well, I think that's a nice place to finish. I could probably talk to you all day, but uh, if people want to find out more about Up, where can they, uh, where can they look? Uh, just up.com.au. Um, we're on all the social media channels and all that sort of stuff. Usually it's called Up Banking or something like that. Beautiful. Thanks so much. No worries. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Hi, it's Sam here again. Thank you so much, Dom, for taking the time to talk with us here on the Humans Aren't Robots podcast. And thank you to George and the whole crew at Pause Fest for having us down once again. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, we would love if you could share it across your social media channels, 
LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, WeChat, Pinterest, I don't know, wherever you, wherever you play. That would be fantastic. Or, or tell a friend about it. We've uh, grown this thing organically so far and that's the way we like to do things. So share the love if you found some value in it. And we'll be back again in two weeks' time with another exciting conversation from Pause Fest. Thanks so much for listening. See ya.